There we go, there we go. Dong City, Dong City, September 7th, our 31st show. Welcome back, everyone. I started off with the great Ernesto Jerez because we had nothing but home runs this past week. Once again, welcome back, Henry Maldonado, Rob Martinez in the background, Vince Merck and Daddy Vince. How we doing, baby? Doing great, man. Nothing fuels me more than as many dongs as we've had in this past. I mean, it is oh dongs God. everywhere. Everywhere. Just record-setting dongs, tribute dongs, medley dongs. We've got all of them here on Dong City, so you're in the right place. Uh, I'm doing great, Henry. I spent my Labor Day uh, dragging a new set of gym equipment into my house and selling a spin bike, which, by the way, in case anyone's ever interested, spin bikes will sell on Facebook in about an hour. <laughs> I know it's got to be the hottest commodity out there right now. Yeah, I think any gym equipment is uh, <clears throat> selling quick. Yeah, my uh, my wife agreed to it, so we we recoup some of the money on my own gym equipment. How are you, Henry? How's your week I'm, going? I'm good. Weekend was good. I actually spent a couple of days working. This, believe it or not, I'm still filing tax returns for some clients. Oh my god! How is that legal? It's it's legal because they're getting refunds. So the government's like, you want to wait? Fine, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> but they're gonna You're be a while. It's gonna be a while. It'll be a while before they see a refund. So the joke's really on them. Wow. That is, yeah. Don't be like those people. We had Dong City offering tax advice. Please don't file your taxes in September. Use the goddamn deadline. Well, the good news about this week, Henry, is that we do not have any COVID updates for the first time since COVID started in baseball, and that includes the offseason. So this is a a big release, I think, for both of us. (laughs) The rundown changed. There's no Section 1 anymore. Uh, so here we go. Nothing canceled. Baseball is going as normal. If you're still on the bandwagon, they won't finish the season. You're the last one. Yep. Uh, and Henry and I officially win this battle. I'm declaring it now. War is over. You lose. Tough shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, feels great. So baseball alive and well. Nothing can kill it. Not even COVID. Um, and, Although and I think the a- Yankees, I think I do think the Yankees have like a season long COVID. Yeah, they, uh, their bats have COVID. That's about it. And just as you mentioned that, finally, the Yahoo app has added the score. And I just looked at it, and I'm not as happy as I was five seconds ago. Um, but, yeah, there we are. So we have score updates for you. We have highlights. We have dongs. We have a few teams we haven't talked about a lot who we're going to be talking about today as baseball's ever, ever-changing landscape continues. Uh, and before all that, just wanted to throw a quick tribute out there. Um, it was somewhat of a somber week for baseball this past week. Um, two weeks ago, we had Chad, Chadwick Bozeman pass away playing Jackie Robinson in 42. If you haven't seen that yet, one of the better baseball movies I think I've ever seen. Um, and now this week, we had Hall of Famers Tom Seaver and Lou Brock both pass away yeah. within the past seven days. So. Um, you know, rest in peace to both of them. Tom Seaver, probably the greatest Met to ever live, if I had to think off not the top a, of my head. Not a debate. Yeah, uh, definitely the greatest pitcher for the Mets to ever live. And then Lou Brock, of course, did just revolutionary things at his position. Um, unbelievable base stealer, unbelievable defender. Um, and they both passed away. So sad, sad week for baseball in that regard. Um, so rest in peace to them. I don't know, Henry, if you wanted to throw anything else in there before we continue. Uh, just, just quickly, I know you, you hear a lot of stories about how great baseball players are, but another thing you hear is <clears throat> they're both, they were both really good humans. Um, and you heard a ton of, of 
you know, human interest stories on, on their bo- both their passing. So, you know, I like to bring the humanitarian side to things. It's not only about, this is a baseball podcast, but it's not just about baseball. So those are two legends that we lost on the field and off the field. So as you said, rest in peace. Exactly. So moving on from there, welcome to everyone who is uh, signing in here. I, we've got a complaint about our clothing already, Henry, uh, Matt. Matt Whelan feeling there's too much blue going on. I disagree. I don't think you can ever have enough blue. There is a Uh, reason for it. (laughs) Hello to Jacob. Hello to Brian. Hello to everyone else saying hello. Hello to Renee. Please please let us know your thoughts on Puerto Rican baseball. Um, Alan, yes, the Cardinals do not appear like they're going to win. and, And that's where we're at. So let's get into injuries here. Uh, <laughs> as usual, the Yankees in the news. Uh, that's just to say, so Gio, Gonzal- Gio Urshela, it's funny, I'm looking through the rundown last week, and, the, and for those of you who have any interest whatsoever, I keep the rundown from the previous week, and all I do is just kind of tweak it, right? Like, we have our normal format, go in, add, add change segments, whatever. Last week's format <laughs> says Gio Urshela injured and then – came back and then this week he's out again so yeah. <laughs> there's your update on Gio Urshela he's back on the he's on the IL this time last time he missed a few days um not sure when he's due back but Glaber Torres returned in the process so we lose Gio we get back Glaber uh hasn't helped the Yankees I'm not sure if they've won oh well, yeah they won that one game this week um they're in yeah. shit shape we'll talk about them some other injuries though that affect teams that are very much in the hunt Kwang Hyun Kim of the Cardinals, who, if you look at his stats, they would blow your mind. Uh, quick, he is uh, on the- how, many, how many times did you practice his name? That was the first time. <laughs> I do Asian names a lot better than I do Hispanic names, okay, for, okay. for the record. Yeah, that's who I grew up with. Um, <laughs> the Cardinals, but yeah, so, so Kim to the IL, I mean, he was the closer last year, converted to a starter, and he was fantastic for them. He was on my fantasy team. That's the only reason I know all this. He was doing good in limited starts. And, you know, unfortunately, this is a big loss for a team that was already uh, climbing an uphill battle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez of uh, the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. another team it. that's in it. I Blue Jays. it. <laughs> Blue Jays just passed the Yankees in, in the standings and in the playoff seedings. We'll get to that later. Uh, he goes to the IL with an oblique strain, so that that's a tough loss. He's had a fantastic season so far. Oh, he's been um, killing it, man. One of the more underrated both fantasy and, and regular players out there, so that's a tough loss for the Jays. We'll see what they can do with it. Um, I wouldn't say they've been rolling of late, but when the team that you're trying to win more games than doesn't win at all, everything looks good. So yeah. that's where the Blue Jays are at. Uh, let's see. Hap, not to be confused with former Blue Jay J Hap, it's Ian Hap of the Cubs, fouls a ball off of his eyeball and comes back two days later. <laughs> I only bring this up. He's not he's not injured. I bring this up to say there are players out there who can foul a ball off their eye and come back. There's yeah. Yankees who get hurt running to second and are out for multiple months like John Carlos Stanton. You know why he also came back? Because his manager didn't bench him when he come, came back. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and to my knowledge, he came back, and again, a fantasy player, he came back and he's played like every game since. He didn't come back and then get the next day off, exactly. which is what happened to Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu when they came back. So different strokes, I guess. Uh, and we'll get to those decisions later. Glaber Torres, and there you go, Glaber Torres bench, DJ LeMahieu bench, it seems Yankee tradition. The day after they come back, they get benched for no reason. 
I'm not going to get this name correctly. Uh, how, the Astros starter, Erquity. I mean, it's an Astros starter, so yeah, sure. Yeah, so he returns. That could be a big return for the Astros. They just got their, like, salad completely tossed all over the country uh, this past week. They got week. their ass kicked, and it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that was – you want to talk about Misery Loves Company? Like, it's my theory that Cubs fans are very much Misery Loves Company when it comes to the Yankees. Like, Yankees are struggling. It's okay the Cubs are struggling. Well, this exactly. is if, – if the Astros are struggling, it's okay that the Yankees are struggling for me. Uh, because I got a, a huge kick out of watching them just get destroyed by the Angels. and uh, But Urquidy is, is back. He threw like three innings, you know, 65 pitches, the normal for a pitcher coming back. Um, but that could be a big addition for them down the stretch. We'll see Yankees yeah. and Astros battling for the eight seed. I believe Jordan Alvarez is also hurt. Yeah, well, he, did he ever come back? He did. Okay. Well, now he's hurt again. So and he's right back into the aisle. Yeah, exactly. We hardly knew you. Um, before we get into highlights here, Rob, why don't you give us our first game center? There's a lot going on since it's Labor Day and a happy Labor Day to everyone out there. Um, I don't know if you're supposed to say happy or not. I mean, I know it's not Memorial Day, but it's also not happy Labor Day. It's just like yeah. you have a day off. So good for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Rob, let's get to a game center here since there's a lot of games underway. What do we have? Sure. Um, Yankees are up 2-1 to one against the Blue Jays. That game is early. Um, we have the Washington Nationals over the Tampa Bay Rays, top of the fourth, 3 nothing. Got the Indians on top of the Royals, 2 nothing, top of the fourth. And we have a few final games that were played earlier. You can get into that. Okay. Awesome. All right. Yeah. 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 Those games earlier – we had two intense ones. Marlins beat the Braves 5-4. Phillies beat the Mets 9-8. Little NL East on NL East action. And Twins took care of the Tigers 6-2. to um, yeah. We'll keep an eye. Surprising that? Phillies bounced back after getting shellacked yesterday. Yeah, and today was back and forth. They led 6 nothing, and then the Mets took a 7-6 lead, and then they tied it, and then they took a 9-7 lead, and then the Mets almost came back and won anyway, but they lost 9-8. That that gif where it's like stop stop you're gonna kill it. that that game yesterday was just brutal. <laughs> they used that on the Giants Rockies game, which we'll also yeah. get to. Um, Cubs Cardinals will keep an eye on Yankees Jays will keep an eye on those are the ones that are underway right now and have some playoff repercussions. And and Henry, we're at the time of the season now where there are playoff repercussions with every game being played right now. Absolutely. Yankees go back to back in the top of the first. Of course, being the Yankees right now, <clears throat> Jordan Montgomery does give one back. I don't think that inning's over yet, is it? Rob, we're still uh, in the bottom it, of the first, it, right? No, no, it's top of the second. Okay, yeah, Yahoo's still being slow. But 2-1 there, as Rob said. So let's get into the highlights here, and then we'll go into uh, full speed ahead with talk around MLB. Rob, kick us off here with our top, with our first highlight here. This is a Yankee, one of the few bright spots of their entire week. 2-2, times were innocent. This is Clint Frazier. You said he couldn't play defense, but he could belly flop and make a diving catch there. I'll say this for Frazier. His bat obviously is what it is. It, it has been the potential it should be, but his defense has been significantly better than we Absolutely. saw last year to the point where I think the problems were psychological and not physical with Clint. Totally agree. He's definitely taken strides and he's gotten better. And, and you know, kudos to him for that work ethic. Yeah. Now, Henry, why don't you show us a play that's not as impressive? Now we have Max Kepler, who, you know, is one of the bright stars of the league, takes this ball, and I don't know what the hell he was thinking. He, you know, he gets under it, and he just, bloop. 
you know, they tell you catch with two hands. You know, you, you hear it all the time. Catch with two hands, catch with two hands. You know, they do the little lazy glove catch, and, and that's going to happen to you. And kids, that is not the way to catch the baseball. Two hands, I don't care how long you've been in the league. Two hands, two hands, two hands. That play was very routine <laughs> to, to be dropping it like that. That was impressive. Let's keep going, Rob. So this was the my happiest moment of, like, the last two weeks. That's Gio Rochelle hitting it to, like, Platinum Glover Kevin Kermeyer. He's banging his, his hand into the ground. They're going to wave, wave around here. So Rochelle at this point is at third. They overthrow home, and Rochelle is going to make a mad dash. And watch this slide. Woo! Swim slide. He's in. Gio Urshela with a Little League inside the park home run there. It was uh, Kevin Kiermeyer playing a single into a triple and then on the relay playing a triple into a home run. So that was, yeah, I think I counted five different miscues by the Rays on one play. That definitely looked like, you know, Sunday beer league softball, you know, for, for grown men. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you props to him for the, the Michael Phelps swim move too, you know. That was a beautiful slide, and you don't often see the Rays, especially Kiermaier, make mistakes like that on defense. So that was like a, we had to show that because that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, let's stick with Gio here. Keep going, Rob. Andrew, let's stick with Gio. Gio, who, you know, is an upgrade over Andujar. This play right here is slowly becoming his, his go-to play. That's his signature play. He does it. Show that again, Rob, please, because he it's just so effortless. That underhanded throw, he's so accurate. Look at the ground he covers. And he just makes that throw all the time. And I think that was Mike Ford at first, just didn't even move, just like he expects it where he expects it. It looks routine, but that's a hell of a play, man. Gio makes that like nothing. He reminds me of when Cano used to throw underhand so, you know, violently. And it was always accurate. That's what he reminds me of there. Yeah, we talked about that play earlier in the week, Henry. And uh, Manny Machado is the first one I ever saw who actually made that throw. Like, well, like almost into the third base coach, he can make that throw across to first and get a runner. Um, now it seems like Gio's doing that like twice a month. Yeah, he and, does it uh, so nonchalant. Manny does it, but yeah. Manny's done it. It's like a violent, you know, that's a hell of a throw. So you got to put yeah. some, some oomph behind it. And Gio just kind of just flicks his wrist man yeah it's it's unbelievable that is very much his jeter uh jump throw Absolutely. signature at this point so speaking of guys who have a signature uh there's one pitcher who's working on putting his signature on the third straight Cy Young award that's Jake DeGrom this was Jake DeGrom yesterday tying the M an MLB record with 35 swings and misses and this start against the Phillies too puts him very much at the forefront of a third Cy Young award. I would say you Darvish and Zach Gallen, probably his biggest competition. Those numbers are still close enough where I don't think anyone's got it sewn up, but this was Jake DeGrom. This was that statement start that you look for in a Cy Young winner. Um, Mets aren't going anywhere, but DeGrom could now very well win that third Cy Young that I think a lot of us just assumed he wouldn't just because three Cy Youngs in a row is just crazy. I mean, it, it does not happen very often, but that was DeGrom putting his mark on the game and yesterday. Drake is on a ridiculous roll, man. Um, I, I, I take Darvish. I think Darvish is, Darvish is having a slightly better season, but I think if it came down to it right now, reputation-wise, DeGrom would probably be favored. A lot of people didn't expect this to come from you, Darvish, where you, it, with Jake, you kind of expect this now. Like when yeah. he doesn't do it, you're like, what's wrong, you know? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, perspective, there are two very this different – different places that they're coming from and Zach Allen I honestly look at his stats they're not far off he doesn't have the strikeouts DeGrom has but he's got the ERA and the whip yeah. um, he's been fantastic and kind of just overlooked over there in Arizona 
I, I think um, if Degrom was a little younger, we'd kind of start throwing out that you know Hall of Fame question already because the the the, the length is the dominance is like four or five years now, you know, of just the straight dominance. He's 32, so he you know he still has to do a lot more. Right. But I think if he was younger, we'd start you know asking the question. I mean, if Degrom did this from say 24 to 28 instead of 28 yeah. to 32, he'd be getting Kershaw comparisons. At Absolutely. This point. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's how dominant he's been. Jake Stretch is, is very, like, Johan Santana-esque, um, Pedro-esque, you know, Tim Lincecum when they had their dominant stretches. And, and Jake is right there, man. Yeah, absolutely. And let, let's stick with some pitching dominance, Henry. My man, Clayton Kershaw. Y'all know my love for this dude. It's 2,500 career strikeout. The third youngest player behind Walter Johnson and number one, Nolan Ryan. Um, only about a year. So, you know, if Kershaw doesn't miss some of those games with, with those back injuries, he probably becomes the youngest player to do it. So kudos to Kershaw, man. 2,500 strikeouts, third fastest player to do it. No joke. I think he's done it in less games. So he's the third fastest, but I think he's done it in less games. Where do you think Kershaw ranks if he never gets hurt? I mean, is he better than like Pedro in his prime is so, still the greatest pitcher I ever saw, but that was a very small prime. Here's my problem with Kershaw, and I think it's 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 the Peyton Manning effect, whether it's real or Playoffs. not. It's the big game knock yeah. on him, and like people would freak out when I would say Kershaw's ten years is better than Sandy Koufax's ten years, and when you compare them, they are. It's not by a lot, but it's enough to be like that's how great Kershaw was. But now Sandy dominated in the playoffs. He carried teams to World Series where Kershaw didn't. Kershaw has this, you know, um, label of choking in the big game. Sometimes it's it's necessary. Other times it's not. But that's his label. He's got that Peyton Manning thing to him. I'll, yeah. I'll always say Manning's the greatest quarterback I ever saw. But there's that, you know, those, those big game choke things that, that pop up. And it, it plays a part of your legacy. You can't escape it. Yeah, you're right. And even if Kershaw goes out and dominates, say, this October, Dodgers win the World Series, it's still not going to disappear for a – it's his entire – more than first half of his career now. That's the moniker. And, and yeah, Mad, I mean – Mad Bum had one stupid playoff stretch, and people are like, I take Mad Bum over Kershaw in a big game. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, you know. Yeah, tough to argue. Yeah. Mad, Mad Bum's it, an assassin. I put maybe Kershaw probably top 20 all time. Okay, no, just that's really fair. quick if I had to think of it. Uh, but uh, James, glad to see you taking. Uh, James is one of the few people I remember, James Edwin Scott, who did say Geo was not a fluke like immediately, mm -hmm. um, which last year was controversial. This year was very controversial, but Geo so far has, has not really yeah. fallen off. So, uh, kudos I mean, he to snatched you. snatched Andohar's job. He just snatched Andohar's job. Yeah, he absolutely. He just he took it. <laughs> So badly that Andujar didn't even make the team <laughs> this year out of spring training so or out like, of summer instead training. Of calling it, instead of calling it somebody got pipped, they should say you got Andujar because he just got... Like, that, that's what happened, yeah. And, and now Miguel's hot. We'll get to him. So, uh, Rob, you can keep going here. So, here's a guy you may never have heard of. This is Mike Trout, and this is Mike Trout tying the Angels' all-time record off resident asshole Lance McCullers for home runs. That was number 299. This is one of the games against the Astros. Mike Trout does not like to keep his fans waiting as far as drama. So the very next day, he's going to go ahead and break that Angels record with his 300th career home run. Now, this is a guy, too. He's been hurt a few times. 
Um, I don't think he's going to go down as top 20 like Kershaw, Henry. I think he's going to go down as top 10. And without the injuries, I'd be curious how far he could even go. But this is Mike Trout now, 300 home runs. He's still not 30 years old. And, uh, and he, he used a couple of them that helped beat the Astros this week. I think you're looking at – that's beautiful. There's the ball. Yeah. Um, I think we're looking at the LeBron James to, you know, uh, Babe Ruth's Michael Jordan. I think right. when Trout's said and done, you're going to have people saying he's the greatest, other people saying Babe Ruth. And there's no loss there because once you're being compared to the GOAT, yeah, you're doing pretty damn good. Um, Mike Trout's going to be the greatest player we've – anyone alive has seen, period. Yeah, and and much like LeBron, I think there's going to be a segment of fans who realize it long after Trout stops playing. And that's going to be a shame for them. Um, you look at you know, there's basketball fans out there who, because LeBron gets compared to Jordan, and it's a fair comparison. And I'm not saying he's better than Jordan, but I'm saying the comparison is fair. Um, they automatically now are like, well, LeBron's actually bad. Right. And exactly. if you're an actual fan of a sport, that's a real shame because LeBron is truly the greatest player of this century. And I don't think it's close in basketball. And Mike Trout is truly the greatest player of this generation and probably century and probably modern era baseball. <laughs> and there's still it's harder, it's harder in baseball. Yeah. It's harder in baseball to compare eras. But, you know, I think when it's said and done, when we think of greatest player of all times, we're going to think, Babe Ruth, Mike Trout, one, two, and whatever order they'll end up. And just, just to fan the flames, LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, that also kind of carries into the Peyton Brady debate for me. If for, we'll get to that. Maybe, maybe one day the Audible can have us on. We could all have a, a roundabout discussion about all of this. Um, we'll have a giant Who's up podcast. Next? Who's up next, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got to This is your. I specifically made this for you, Henry, so I didn't have to do it. My man Shohei, I can't pitch. Otani drives in Mike <laughs> Trout in the game that he tied the Angels' record. Uh, he walks it off against the Astros. I love that it's against the Astros. I picked that as my series last week. Um, Angels still fighting, man. And and Shohei, I can't pitch. Otani, he did the damage there. Absolutely. So let's keep it going because the Angels had a really good week and I, uh, it has nothing to do at all with who they were playing. So let's get to our next highlight. This is a youngest of the Angels, Joe Adele. We saw him earlier on Dong City with, uh, with his first two home runs. This is him taking a home run away from George Springer who's batting 215. No coincidence there. So George Springer set down. That's a game started by Griff Canning. If you are into the Angels uh, prospects, those are two guys you're pretty excited about, and they're both now stalwarts in the Angels roster. This is Joe Adele then hitting a home run against the Astros. So he takes one away. He hits one himself. That's Joe Adele uh, doing his thing. An oppo, oppo home run, not the first one we've seen from him either. So he seems Henry, like he's starting to figure it out a little bit. He had a little bit of a slow start up in the majors. That's Otani being jealous. Um, but that's Adele. That was, a, uh, and then here's your seventh inning walk off. So Astros getting beat here with an Adele single. I mean, it just, it gets better and better, but that was a, a montage for Joe Adele as he had a huge week. I mean, Joe Adele came in with some some big fanfare. He had a lot to come, you know, a lot of people waiting for him. And, and you're playing against Mike Trout. A lot of people on the defensive side think, and I'm one of them, that maybe Adele should be playing center and preserve Trout, move him to right. 
but you'll you'll get a, a hell of a public media backlash if you do that. But Joe Dell's a very high. A lot of people thought he would hit, and now the kid is hitting. So kudos to him. Yeah, he won't move for the same reason Jeter didn't move off shortstop. No. So uh, or Trout, I should say, won't move for the same reason Jeter didn't. Let's keep it going, Henry. What do you have? So now we're gonna stick with the Angels. Anthony, I'm rich, bitch. Rendon <laughs> goes ahead with a three-run home run. So technically, this is his first road home run of the season, even though he's home. They were playing a doubleheader, and they were the road team. Um, and, yeah, this is technically his first road home run season. So take it and love it. You got to love the little that, – that's a, a, COVID, uh, a COVID highlight if we've ever seen one. His yeah. first recorded uh, road home run, and it's at home. And – in the seventh inning of a doubleheader, so it's actually the ninth inning, and that was the game-winning hit, but it wasn't a walk-off, right. even though he's at home. <laughs> so yeah, there you is, go. And like I said, that is that has COVID written all over it. If there was yeah. a COVID hit of the season, that's probably it so far. Years and decades from now, people will have to come to us to have clarification on what yeah. the hell happened in baseball in 2020. That's They're going to look at their scorecard and scratch their heads and say they were home. <laughs> it's a road home run. It's seven innings. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, there's so many layers to how we got to this point <laughs> that will have to be explained. Rob, let's bring us home. Our final highlight here, and we're sticking with the trend. This is Jared Walsh. I have no idea who he is. Maybe in the comments you guys can illuminate me. Um, that's him hitting a bouncer into the outfield of Valdez, and this is the Angels once again winning. Now, they would go on to score four runs in the inning, um, but that was Walsh making it 6-5. Now you have your walk. This is going to make it 7-5. And then the final finishing touch here, I believe, is going to be Justin Upton. Yep. Uh, and he's going to hit a two-run double. So 9-5. Astros just failing at every level. Rotation looking bad. Bullpen looking bad. Offense did okay, but wasn't enough. Angels, by the way, 8-3 since the trade deadline when they were sellers, one of the few sellers in baseball. They had their first four-game winning streak of the season, all four of them against the Astros by sweeping them, and that was the first Angels sweep of the Astros in four games since 2014. So all of those things happened, so and we got the, you the highlights. So the the Angels are doing God's work. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I told Corey Decker, big-time Christian, big-time Angels fan. Yeah, I will say, Angels I will say, work. I think it's mandatory. If you have, if you're a male and you're an athlete and you have red hair, you have to grow out your beard like Jared Walsh because that's a kick-ass beard and it makes it even better when it's red. It's the only way to me if you're a redheaded male. Yeah, like that's you the gotta only have way to a live. big bushy beard like that. That was a kick-ass beard, man. Yeah, like a uh, wildling. Was that what they were called in Game of Thrones? That that one guy. He yeah, 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 yeah. Giant yeah, that ginger dude's beard. beard. I love this beard. Yeah. Yeah, that guy rules. Uh, and so does Jared Walsh for that hit. So there you go. So those are our highlights. Now we get to the rest of baseball. So we know what's happening in the AL West, right? The Angels are still, by the way, out of it. They're like eight under 500. There's just not – I think they have but 18 they, games left. Again, they get a pass because they did God's work this week. So, yes, yes they, they're yes, out of are, it, but kudos, Angels. This is – I'm still praising them, but they don't have a chance at the playoffs because it's just too late. Like, they should get more games to have a chance just because they beat the Astros, but they're not going to. So – uh, 17 and 25, that's not going to get it done. The rest of the AL West is pretty boring in that the Mariners are not going to get it done and neither are the Rangers. So really it's the A's who are up three and a half on the Astros. 
You're right, but let's give kudos where kudos is due. And, and the Angels are on a five-game winning streak. And Seattle just decided to play, and they're on a five-game winning streak, Yeah, too. they both won Even 7 though they're 10. going nowhere, they're, they're, they're making strides to 500. And I guess for teams like that, 500 is, is a win. We do have Chris in the comment section throwing shade at the Angels. The Giants have a better record than the Angels. Go get them, Chris. Chris showed up a little early. Yeah, she did. She did. We haven't even – we were – we were just about to get into the Giants, like not more than five minutes from now. But this is early. I like that. Uh, she, she, she must be off she, from work she today. In, she came in talk. She came in talking shit. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, she had that fired up. She's been waiting all day to talk about that. Um, yeah. Has, well, I'm hashtag hashtag to tough for Dong City. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna get it trending, man. <laughs> yes, I can't wait till she has that shirt. We have her on as a guest showing it off. Yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but she, I mean, she's right. The like I said, the Angels are not are not gonna they're not gonna make the playoffs. But they had a big weekend, and now because of that, the Astros they're in the same boat as the Yankees. They're both twenty one and nineteen into today. They're both hanging on to those last two spots. And while after that, like the AL is weird, the top eight teams are basically 500 or better. And then after that, like it does turn into a pile of shit, but you have the Orioles who are only two games back of the Yankees and you have the Tigers who are uh, two and a half games back of the Yankees, pending yeah. what happens today. It's, so it's not like that's that over. Everything we thought that would happen in the COVID season in terms of uh, hysteria is actually happening. Yeah. Um, now, here's the, the little note I got out of it as far as the AL is concerned. Last year's ALCS matchup, Yankees-Astros, they're fighting for the last two playoff spots. And neither one really has a shot at the division, although I will say Yankees have no shot at the division at this no. point. No. Um, the Astros are only three and a half back because Oakland's lost six out of ten. They're not doing great. Matt Chapman's a little banged up. He's out of the lineup tonight and probably tomorrow. Uh, Oakland's starting to show a little bit of uh, little vulnerability there in the yeah, West. I'd, 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 I'd say that division's done. I agree. Yeah, I don't I'm think call that gonna, one done. I don't think the Astros are good enough to surpass Oakland, even if Oakland's playing in a mediocre fashion. But what I will say in regards to Oakland is Tampa is now hands down the class of the AL. I mean, that is the team yeah, to I beat. I mean, we kind of. We had a feeling that that would be the case going in. It was them and the Yankees and everybody else. And, and Tampa Bay has, has separated themselves from everyone else. Yeah. And in my opinion, they're in the toughest division in the AL as well because mm -hmm. there are four teams who are not dog shit. I mean, the Orioles have hung in there. Uh, they're barely under 500. Jays and Yankees are what they are. I mean, the Yankees are struggling, but that's still – you look at, for instance, the fourth team in the AL Central is the Tigers, who are also not really below, you know, they're, they're not far off. But right. if you put the Tigers in the AL East, I don't think they're three under. I think they're much worse. That's my point. Well, the, the Tigers have a negative 19 run differential in that division. You put them in the AL East, that's uh, AL East, AL East. <laughs> that's a lot worse. That's yeah. going to go with my, my left base comment last week. We got to have <laughs> yeah, a blunder section. Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, to your point, the Orioles have a 12-run differential better, even though they're only, half, they're only one win better. Um, exactly. So, yeah, that, you know, worthy of note. Uh, Red Sox suck, Royals suck, Rangers suck. All of those are obvious. Angels, uh, you know, to me, the AL West is by far the worst division in the AL. Um, and the, but, teams, the Rangers were the only team smart enough to dump some of their veterans. Yeah, still didn't dump Lance Lynn, but they yeah. do have him under control next year, so I guess you get another shot at that. I, I don't that like... 
They'll trade him in the offseason probably. Maybe have Yeah, team I don't like that. <laughs> what I mean by that is I don't like when teams hold on to a player and then try and trade him as a rental. To me, this is – if you have another year left, that you should be getting a real good package from someone. I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. But they are Texas. But, yeah, so, I think – like you said, I think the AL East is is done. I think the AL West is done. The AL Central is not done. Um, no. I don't – no one had the White Sox winning and they're in first place. They're holding Cleveland off. Kudos to them, and they're, they're doing what they got to do. And I'm going to say that word again. That team is fun as hell to watch. They are – Definitely very fun to watch. Yeah, um, fun. They're having fun. Even if they, they, they lose and they, and they end up uh, grabbing a wild card spot, I mean, the White Sox have already won their season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's almost impossible for them to fall under 500. So they already exceeded, I think, what the expectation would have been in a 162-game season. Mm-hmm. They have the best route run differential in, in the AL, which I, I completely surprises me. They won seven out of 10. So it's not like they did this, you know, the first few weeks of the season and they're currently in first. Now they're only a half game up on the Indians. They're only a game up on the twins. So like Henry said, that's a big race still going on, but the White Sox have, have one done of those, what you asked them to. And they have one of the most fun players that, that it's in the game. Uh, they're, yeah, their core is electric and not What's getting hurt. Luis Robert. Robert, uh, come been, on, man. You were so Robert, close. So close. Robert, Robert, yeah. goddammit. <laughs> 75%. I got three of the four syllables. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the White, the White Sox are uh, – this is a best-case scenario, I think, if you're a White Sox fan uh, watching this team this season. They, it reminds me, actually, of the 2017 Yankees. When we, as Yankee fans after 2016, went into 2017, we said, we don't really care about the playoffs. Like, we want to make sure that these young guys getting called up are legit. You know, Aaron Judge was called up. Uh, Gary Sanchez had been called up late in 2016. Um, you know, we wanted to make – Severino was back to the rotation. We wanted to make sure these guys were legit. Playoffs didn't mm-hmm. matter. We just wanted to be competitive. Yankees going to win 91 games and make it all the way to within a game of the World Series. And if the Astros didn't cheat, they'd probably go to the World Series that year. That was like yep. by far the best case scenario if you're a 2017 Yankees fans, regardless of whether, what other fans said, you're in the same boat this year if you're the White Sox. Even if you go into that first round and lose, you still have to be thrilled about what happened with your team Absolutely. this season. Absolutely. So, they showed up and you're year definitely making the playoffs. Right. Yeah. So they showed up a year early and it's worth it. They're going to sell a shitload of tickets next season. A lot of merchandise. Um, yeah, kudos to them, man. Yeah. Now next step as it is with these, with these quarters that develop, we all have to see how they do in 2021. Do they take a step back or do they continue to build? Because no. uh, right. And that's a good segue into the Yankees of present day. Now the Yankees of present day are a mess. They, oh, they sure. are not fun to watch. Um, this is what's weird like and we'll use the Giants as an example I know Chris is watching now the Giants have not been good since like 2015 basically Um, they made the playoffs in 2016 but the second half of that season they were abysmal so since the first half of 2016 the Giants have not been good now I follow the Giants a little bit more than other teams only because I have a very close friend who's a Giants fan I've talked about him a couple of times he's the two games we've gone to that were Yankee games Mariano Rivera lost both of them those are literally the only times I ever saw Rivera give up runs. So he's a terrible, terrible jinx for the Yankees. Um, but he's a San Francisco Giants fan. So I watch them a little bit more. We talk about them a little bit more. And the Giants at least 
like their offense isn't good. They're not very good, but they have timely hitting. They kind of like do the fundamentals. When the Yankees are bad, they are awful to watch. <laughs> they have, they may, you know, and I'm not even talking about Aaron Boone and the coaching staff right now. I'm talking about just watching the players. I will. I hate fucking. Yeah, I will. We will talk of right now, but in this example, to have an all-or-nothing team that doesn't do all, <laughs> they just do nothing, and to have a rotation that gets pulled too early, and a bullpen that is used in an asinine, idiotic way, and no fundamentals, poor defense, sh- constant strikeouts. It's the worst of the worst baseball products you can have, and that has been the Yankees for the last. 20 games at this point. That's been the Yankees right? the whole season. Yeah, but with when Aaron Judge was healthy, like those first that's, that's 20 games. Said. Aaron Judge yeah. and Stanton were hitting home runs and carrying everything. They were doing the all. Right. So now that when you need a manager to actually manage and put good lineups together and use the bullpen appropriately, he can't do it because he's not capable of it because he fucking sucks. This, yes, this has been my takeaway of the Yankees this season. Last season, they basically broke the way baseball's played. They had all they had 36 injuries, and it didn't really affect them. They still won 104 games. They still went to the ALCS. They were still a top team, two team in the AL. They finished second in the AL. Um, they did exactly what you would have expected them to do, despite having the most injuries in the history of baseball. Now, us as Yankees fans, myself included, go into this season, we're like, Brian Cashman has figured out how to solve baseball. Like, we have so much depth, it just doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. What we didn't realize is that these guys regress, and that's what we're seeing. We're, you know, Mark, Mike yeah. Talkman is hitting uh, – or Talkman's hitting 247. Mike Ford is hitting under 200. Tyler Wade's under 200. It's Tyro Estrada, who is a, uh, looked like a 300 pure hitter last year, is under 200. Stanton's hurt again. Judge is hurt again. They have all the normal injuries they have. Not one player on this team – is exceeding expectations, not one, and that's impressive. Right. Uh, and what's worse, Brian, no, yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Geo, but you're right. G- yeah, Geo is meeting his 2019 expectations, right. which in a way is exceeding expectations, yeah, but it's Gio's, not exceeding 2019. Geo's setting the bar for what he truly is. Right. So even Luke Voigt, who's having a decent year, DJ LeMay, who's having a decent year, none of those guys are doing more. You, you, Come on. Voigt is having more than just a decent year, bro. Come on. He's having a decent year. He's having way more than a decent year. Give the, I know you don't like him, but you got to give him credit, man. I, In a way, it's credit. Last season, he was not far off from this season. So no. you, it, He's having way more. Than, I don't know if he still leads the American League in OPS, but come on. That dude is having way more than just an okay season. He's healthy. Well, twenty eighteen. That, that fucking smirk. Season. That little smirk. That little. That little devilish smirk. Says no, I'm smirking because he's hitting two sixty nine. So I don't see it there. Now I need to look I up mean, the rest of his stats. He had no been hot for a while, but he has cooled off since. Uh, and he, he's he's basically going to finish exactly where we think a healthy Luke Voigt would finish. He, he hit a home run today. He did, yeah. We'll see if it's meaningful or not. And actually, I still don't have an update on that game because Yahoo has them in the first inning. So it's tied. It's tied. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, Luke Voigt loves first inning home runs. By the way, get back to me in the seventh or nine innings if he can. I'm ever not. Get a I'm hit. not. I'm not going to get mad at a guy hitting a home run in the first inning. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm just not. Um. But anyway, so no, no Yankees exceeding expectations. The same injury problems are there. The same 
coaching problems are there, if not worse, because like you said, Henry, there's less options to work with now, less guys performing. Aaron Boone can't just hit any button and it works out. Now he's got repercussions and he's suffering for them. Well, I'm laughing because my man, this is a, one of my close personal friends, John, in the comment section said he needs a Tyler Wade voodoo doll. And I'm laughing because you were so high on Tyler Wade. <laughs> so whenever we get a Tyler Wade reference, I laugh because I know how much it's killing you inside of, because of how much your ass loves to be right. I thought Tyler Wade was going to be an everyday regular. So let, let's Wade set the proper perspective. Ass. Tyler yes. Wade is worse than Ray Ordonez. Let's put it that it's like Tyler that. Wade is awful. <laughs> Every so often he gets like a bait, an RBI single, and I'm like, oh, there's Tyler Wade. But he, he's even a terrible base runner. So, Tyler Wade is supposed to be Greg Hamilton. He's supposed, he's supposed to be yeah. here for base running and for defense, and we're going to get to that later. Yeah, no, he doesn't. This is what annoyed me. Now, Brett Gardner, a fantastic Yankee until recently. He's playing too long, and we're playing him too much. But Brett, what annoyed me about Brett Gardner was that he, here's this fast guy, and he, Yankee fans aren't used to a lot of speed on their teams. But Brett Gardner comes up, and he can't bunt. <laughs> I'm just like, what, what the hell is this? Like, you're, this should be the one tool that you have is, like, drag bunting and putting the ball on the ground – and he's a pop-up machine. Now, Tyler Wade is, is cut from the same cloth. I'm like, if you just learn how to bunt, you would, be, you would have a, a 320 on base percentage just from that. And he can't, he can't do shit. And he also can't steal bases, and he can't run the bases correctly. I'm going to call James out in the comment section because he was so quick to take credit for the GRS shell. James was big on Tyler Wade, and now he's trying to give me some bullshit. He's heating up hardcore, great third base replacement. Fuck out of here. I want no parts of Tyler Wade, man. None. I'm done with Tyler Wade. I'm done with Gary Sanchez. I, uh, Aaron Hicks, I'm willing to give another shot to. We kind of have to anyway. But yeah. there's a lot of players on this team now that I'm just like, I, I've seen enough. I don't need to, you don't need to keep trotting them out there. Jay Happ, I'm done with you. Um, Tyler Wade is the Luis Sessa of the infield. <laughs> Luis Sessa, I've been done with. He keeps finding his way. And then I look and he has like a mid three ERA. And I'm like, just he's, give it a few games. He's doing his thing. Yeah. Um, no, I'm done with a lot of Yankees, and they're they're just yeah. I they may they're gonna lose this game. I, I guess I could leave it at that. Um, I would prefer at this point them just to go into a complete humiliating free fall and actually get like a nice mid level pick, and then this would force actual action to take place because that's embarrassing for the Steinburners if you actually miss the playoffs when you're considered nail favorite. Mm -hmm. So. I agree. That, to me, is a very fireable offense for a manager, COVID season or not. And that's what I'm rooting for most at this point. I don't want to trot in as an eight seed and lose in three or four games to the Rays and then them be like, well, Aaron Boone's made the playoffs three years in a row since he took over, and he's got this winning percentage. Like, no, I don't want that. I want us to finish under 500, get a decent pick, and Boone to get fired. That, to me, is the silver lining on a shit season. I think if the Yankees miss the playoffs, Boone definitely gets canned. You have to. You have to. And Tim's Tames can go with him. Marcus Tim's should go. He should have been gone already. Yeah. It, well, last season saved his ass because you, you have Talkman coming. You have Voight in a full season. You have all these guys, and you're like, holy shit. Like, he's got these guys doing modern baseball. Like, they're all improving, Look, and now it's all gone. Like, they've all regressed. Go get me Mike Stanton's hitting coach from when he was in Miami. Go get me Eduardo Perez. Put him in Yankee pinstripes. That's a guy that's going to be a future manager. Let him start out by being a hitting coach and see where it goes from there. Yeah, give me a new hitting coach, bench coach, and manager. Yep. Uh, and really, 
I hate to say it, and I'm willing to give him a longer leash because it's his first season, but Matt Blake has not done anything revolutionary this season. Yeah, he has. He's made Gary Sanchez put the one leg out. He did, yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I – again, Matt Blake is a little bit of a different story to me because COVID really might have impacted him. He couldn't actually even see – like be with his pitchers in the offseason and then have a normal much, ramp up. Yeah, his lead, he gets a much longer lease though, so we have to be fair to him. I agree. Well, let's, let's move on. We can't have this Yankee love affair or hate fest in this case. Yeah, so anyway, uh, just the rest of baseball, I got you know, Twins fall to third. That's a big storyline. Um, so the Cardinals yeah. and Cubs, an interesting thing. I I don't think that division's quite over. Cubs win this game. They're going to be three and a half up. Um, that's sizable, but not insurmountable because the Cubs haven't been playing great. If the Cardinals can get hot, and that's the big caveat because they almost have not proven they can get hot this year. It's on again, off again. That could be a race. They don't play each other the rest of the season, though. Finishing up the season, Cardinals and Brewers have eight more games. That's interesting. And the yeah. Cubs have eight games with the Indians, Twins, and White Sox. And they also have three with the Brewers. I, I look at the Cubs, and I think <clears> – <throat> I look at all the teams, and the first thing I think is they're the worst first-place team. They are. By, they have by, no business – Yeah, they have no business being in first place, but the division is allowing them to – you know, they, they barely have a, a positive run differential. St. Louis is killing them in the run differential department. If St. Saint, if Saint Louis gets hot, they, they probably take that division. But St. Louis is so boring. At least the Cubs are a little exciting with the shit very, they yeah. on. But the Cubs Cardinals are, are very enough. mediocre. I'd rather watch the Cubs than watch the Cards, for sure. I agree. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I just um, – uh, yeah, I agree with you, though. The Cubs are the worst first-place team mm -hmm. They're, they're basically in first by default. Yeah. Uh, the Braves are pretty mediocre, um, but they have some upside there. They've had some injuries. Yeah. And then you've got, like, the White Sox. And then after that, those teams are legit. Like, the A's, Rays, and Dodgers are very, very legitimate first-place teams. By the way, the Phillies, who are my sleeper pick, they're making a comeback. They're making a charge. They're only two games behind Atlanta in that division, so – yeah, there you go. We'll see. We'll see how they another and led by you know Girardi's got those guys looking good. That was my manager of the year pick. That would be three and three three teams. Yep. Um, yeah, great decision. Great organizational decision. We had uh, some history this week, so here's what we'll get into. First, we'll get to the Giants. Right, the Giants mm -hmm. scored 23 runs in a game earlier this week. I think we all saw it. Uh, that was a beat down. We were having fun with that game thread, and that was just a beat down. We saw the Giants fans in their glory. They beat yeah. the shit out of them that game. I mean, that, that was a pummeling. Yeah. Maybe the second biggest pummeling we've seen this century off the top of my head. Uh, that was a major beat down. Alex Dickerson, one of our three home run guys this week, mm -hmm. did it in the first six innings. And by my count, he had five runs, five extra base hits, six-plus RBIs in the same game. And I posed that question to Baseball Life. We only can come up with two players who have done that in a game. Five runs, five-plus RBIs, five extra base hits, same game. Uh, Sean Green was one, and then some really old guy was another whose name I, escapes me at the moment. But very you know, it's impressive. funny. When I, when I saw the highlights of him doing it, um, I thought that they were just out of order. I was like, oh, that, that's not the third home run in the sixth inning. No, it's, that was the third home run in the sixth inning. I was like, holy shit, this guy's killing him. Yeah, 
Uh, so that was fun to watch as a baseball fan. Just a total beatdown. Yeah. Of course, it's at Coors. Great stuff there. Um, Rob, let's get to that playoff. We've got a graphic here. We'll go through this real quick, Henry, yeah. and then we've got the most fun segment of the entire day. Uh, yeah, One let's more time, Rob. Yeah, try again. Um, so here, it, this is if the season ends to say this is where we're at. We have less than 20 games left for almost every team in baseball at this point. So we're in that last third of the season, last quarter for some teams. Um, if the season ended today, how, I mean, what do you see? Like, to me, I don't see – maybe the. I think the Twins can beat the White Sox. And other than that, I don't see any of the underdogs in the AL winning that first round. No, I don't either. Um, I could see the Phillies beating the Cubs. So, NL side, yeah. yeah. The Giants-Dodgers, uh, the, by the way. On the AL side, maybe the Twins over the White Sox. But if you yeah. – under my head, I'm taking the White Sox in that in that matchup. I probably do too, especially when you look at the front of those rotations. I think White Sox have a major advantage the way Dallas Keuchel's pitching. Well, going down, uh, I think Tampa Bay would beat the Yankees in a playoff series right now. Oh, yeah. I don't uh, think it would go five. Cleveland would probably sweep Toronto. Um, I think the White Sox would win, and I think the A's would win. So, yeah, I think the yeah. favorites would all win. Now, the NL side, I'm wholeheartedly rooting for Dodgers Giants just for the rivalry's sake. It's not going to be a good series. Although the Giants did kind of give them shit last time they played, which was interesting. It'd be a nice matchup just to see, but the the Dodgers would beat them. Yeah, I mean, that is the biggest upset of all of the Dodgers upsets. If they were to lose that round, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Um, The Padres Padres getting a four seed just seems so criminal here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They would would handle the Cardinals, I think. Not worried about that. Um, Braves, yeah, would Braves, be, well, Braves would beat the Rockies. Braves I, I would think beat the Rockies. Be. Yeah, you know what? The Braves will lose in the DS because that's what they always do. This round doesn't even count as anything. So they'll win this round, and then they'll lose to the, to the winner of Cubs-Phillies. Yeah, I, I could see uh, – I think Phillies yeah. will take that, honestly. So I had called for Phillies-Dodgers AL um, – NLCS. It's and very looking possible. Looking at this, this would be yeah. possible. Yeah, it's really not that far. There's a lot of mediocre teams in the NL. AL, to me, has eight, like, solid teams, and you're looking at them right there. Mm-hmm. Um, the NL has, like, five, <laughs> and really, like, two of them are what I would consider elite. Padres Seven and eight Dodgers. have no business being in the playoffs. No, they're just there because they have to be. Um, for the record, two of the teams on the AL side that everyone thought were juggernauts, the Twins and the Yankees would not be in the playoffs on the regular playoff format. Yeah, crazy. Of course, they'd have another 100 games to go, but what are you going to do? Anyway, all right, you can take it down now, Rob. Rob, let's get to our favorite segment here. This is Boonheaded, and this, like many of our segments, is jam-packed this week with just terrible decisions all real, around. Real quick, before we do that, we've been calling for Aaron Boone to play Miguel uh, Miguel Tejada, Miguel Andujar more. He has, and he just uh, – Rewarded us with a bomb. Oh, and that's his first of the year, right? No. And Duhar? Is it? It might be. Wait. I don't think, I think he's over no, this No, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Fuck off, Boone. But um, let's go to Boone-headed segment. Yeah, now I'm all riled up for Boone-headed because of that. This is uh, – that's Billy Hamilton with nobody out in extra innings and a runner on second. And now this is Tyler Wade. Slow it down, Rob. Yeah, let, let's slow it down here. 
Um, so yeah, so this, this, what you see here, you can pause it here, Rob. Uh, that's Billy Hamilton with no outs. Trying to see, we'll back it up a little bit. We don't want to blind everyone. Um, Billy look Hamilton. The, look, yeah, look at the situation there. Yeah, this is ninth inning of a doubleheader, mind you. So this is extra innings. Billy Hamilton stole second earlier before this clip. There's no outs. You can see it up there. Yankees up 7-6. Hamilton tries to steal third and gets gunned. Uh, just an absolutely boon-headed decision to try and steal third in that spot. There was really no reason for it. And then, same game. All right, now you can go, Rob. We have the Yankees. The game is tied because someone homered. Uh, and now it's – what is this? Tyler Wade – just lost track of time, I guess. I don't, I don't know what – I really don't know what happened. There was one out. Oh, I guess he thought there no, was two. No, the situation there was we let off with the game with runner in scoring position, the new rule. Tyler yeah. Wade's already at second. Yeah, right. So I don't he remember goes, who was hitting. Whoever hit, hits it to right field. It's clearly a ball that's going to get caught, and Tyler Wade takes off at third base. Tyler Wade, who's supposed to be deep here, partly for his base running abilities – takes off that's the guy on the Yankees you want on the base pads in that situation you don't want anyone else and he just takes off to third like if the ball blooped in or something it was a horrible horrible play right that's the fastest runner we have and uh and he's an idiot so he I, I'm assuming though he thought there were two outs it's the only way I could really justify no he let off the inning on second base it was with the no rule no I know but the ball hit to right was with less than two outs I'm assuming he thought there was Two outs it somehow. Can be. He let off. The ball hit to right was the first out of the inning. I think okay. I, I think I know why he did that. I I believe he thought that DJ got a hit. I really do think that's so. the only that's the I only. I guess that's more plausible. But both of yeah. them are so equally dumb. It's it's painful for me to try and reflect but, on it. Kudos to the Mets because they DFA'd Billy Hamilton the next day. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I do wish that the Yankees DFA'd Tyler Wade's ass. Yeah, I actually, yeah, Dia, yeah. <laughs> we for the longest time we had an issue getting Clark Schmidt on the forty man because like everyone's valuable. There's like five guys right now I would DFA tomorrow. Yeah, the uh, best part, the best part of that clip though, right after that, because the Mets were losing by one, so that would have tied the game. Mm -hmm. And then JD Davis comes up and hits a home run, which would have won the game. Off Chapman. They end up winning anyway. I think um, was that the game? Peter Alonso walked off. Yeah, that's the game. Yeah. That was the game Alonzo walked off. So they won the game anyway. But in that situation, J.D. Davis would have sent everybody home. Yeah, really. It, it should have lost the game. And then, uh, you know, Chapman's still trying to get adjusted to the season. So let's go. This is your favorite. Or, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, we have one more. One more here before we get to your favorite one of the week, Henry. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you, I'll have you take that one. But this one, uh, this is Aaron Boone. We can't resist putting him in here. So here's the situation I'll try and lay out for you. We don't have a visual for it. I'll try and explain it the best I can. Yankees are winning, I think, 2-1 to one at the time. Davey Garcia pitching another pretty solid game against the Orioles. Um, it's the sixth inning. Garcia's gone five and two-thirds, and there's runners on first and second. Now, nothing terribly hard hit. Like I said, it's 2-1. He's pitching well. He's at 96 pitches, so, you know, nothing. He's not over any sort of limit or anything. Aaron Boone has a decision to make because there's two on and two out. Davey Garcia's pitching. Neither of those hits were particularly hard hit. Obviously, neither one was extra bases, and the run was scored in the first inning, so he's been pitching a shutout ever since. Right. Now, it was the second game of a doubleheader, so if you, are, if you are someone who's come across the weird creatures who, like, will defend anything Aaron Boone does regardless, uh, they'll tell you this, and that is that there is no other option that Boone had except to go to Clark Schmidt. 
Right. Now, we'll preface the Clark Schmidt situation by saying Nick Nelson was completely available in the bullpen, and Nick Nelson is a not as high of a prospect as Schmidt, but he has pitch and relief in his career, which Schmidt had not made his major league debut yet. You also had Jose Abreu, or I'm sorry, not Jose Abreu, Abreu, Albert Abreu, on the roster from the day before. Abreu apparently, I guess, because he wasn't used, wasn't used in either game of the doubleheader, and then was optioned the next day which means he was on this double header roster where you're even given an extra spot for absolutely no reason because he wasn't available. And, and then he was option the next never day. Saw a game. <laughs> so you had Nelson, you had whoever could have taken Abreu's spot or Abreu himself. Correct. And then you also had Chad Green. Now this might be a little controversial, but Chad Green earlier that day had thrown 12 pitches and didn't pitch the day before. So I don't know if there's just a steadfast rule you can't throw a guy in both games of a doubleheader, but I always remember this happening yeah. um, or not. But Chad Green literally threw 12 pitches, so he was by no means tired. That's another option you had. A fourth option you had was Adam Adovino was supposed to, and Boone's right. had closed that game. But, of course, you can't get to the seventh inning unless you finish the sixth inning. Right. And instead of going to Adovino there to put the fire out, he goes to Clark Schmidt. And the reason this is so funny is that Clark Schmidt, first of all, is a starter. He's not a reliever. He's never pitched relief in the minors. He's a starter. He's the Yankees' top prospect starter. Number one. For whatever reason, the Yankees didn't have him stretched out. So Davey Garcia gets the start. Clark Schmidt hadn't made a start yet. Clark Schmidt hadn't made a major league debut yet. And of all of these options we just laid out, the Yankees decide to go to Clark Schmidt with two guys on in the middle of an inning with two outs with a game on the line and a one-run game to make his major league debut as a reliever instead of a starter. And Schmidt gets knocked around for like uh, four hits in a row, I think, or whatever. Orioles go end up him. scoring go three or four kid. runs. They win the game. Yeah, baptism by fire is Boone's philosophy, I guess. Probably yeah, big. just – I mean, it's mind – it is mind-numbing that that was how that played out. But Clark yeah. Schmidt – his major league debut, he'll always remember it with the support of his manager. It was the second game of a COVID seven-inning doubleheader. He came on with two on and two out in relief as the Yankees' top starting prospect. So there you go. That's another boon-headed. Henry, let's get to your favorite one. Oh, man, my favorite one. Good old Joe West. Joe, 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 KKK West. <laughs> Rob, you have that clip? Rob? So here we got Joe West. He stops the game, and they're pointing because somebody gets ejected in the second deck of the stadium. There's nobody around them, and who's that getting ejected? That's the Nationals GM, Mike Rizzo. Joe West ejected Mike Rizzo because he overheard him complaining, and the reason he ejected him was because he was not wearing a mask. There's no one around him. He's in a luxury suite by his goddamn self, and he <laughs> tossed him. That's not oh, the weirdest part. That's not the weirdest part. The, the game was on pause for like 15 minutes, mind you. The weirdest part is he goes on his, press con- uh, his post-game conference and he says something to the effect of, it's my game. Uh, he was talking crap. I ejected him. And then out of nowhere says, I would have thrown Donald Trump out of there, but I'll still vote for Trump. What the fuck? <laughs> That's what Joe West decided to say in a post-game conference. I did not hear the... I don't want to mix politics with baseball crowd when Joe West made those comments, by the way. Dude, uh, isn't that like the third time he's made like It's at least second because I remember one other time. Like, come on, you you have to know that the the big subset of your, the 
players that make up MLB players are black and Hispanic and Asian. Like, use your brain. And also, didn't Joe West say before the season started that he yeah. didn't believe in COVID? He did. <laughs> so now, he did. He's, now he's enforcing the mask. Yeah, he's throwing some he off for a mask, and then he's just dropping a Trump reference at the postgame conference just for the hell of it. I love it because, I, by the way, do you, can you even throw, like, can't Mike Rizzo just be like, no? Like, he's not I, in the I, game. I believe the crew chief is responsible for everyone at the stadium. The same way wow. they can throw out fans, I do believe they can throw out personnel. That's amazing power for someone like Joe West, who does not deserve any power, including umpiring powers. Jesus Christ. It was brutal. That's but, like, amazing. seriously, if, you, if, you're, if you're a black or brown player and, and you know Joe West is super, super, you know, Trumper, like, that has to be in the back of your mind. Yeah, for sure. Like, are you fucking with him? Are you wearing Black Lives Matter cleats? Are you, you know, something just <laughs> to tweak him a little bit? But yeah, Joe West is, is uh, definitely a, a boonhead this week, man. Yeah, that was Joe West to the max. Let's get to it. So this one was fan submitted. We don't have a clip of it. I'll explain it as it was explained to me because I wasn't watching live. But Tom Gon- Gonzalez is uh, a fantastic Dodgers. He's not a prospect anymore. He's a, a rookie, I guess. He came mm-hmm. up last year, made his debut. He's been fantastic. I mean, t- one of their top, pro- I think their second top pitching prospect. Gonzalez at six innings, three hits, no run or one earned run, no walks. He struck out eight in the uh, seventh inning, I think. He's at 75 pitches, so mm-hmm. definitely not in any sort of pitch count issue. On the season, by the way, a 0.76 ERA, 0.72 whip. That's how good he's been this season. Um, he was the they were able, he's the reason they were able to trade Stripling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it must have been the – yeah, so it was, it's it's the start of the seventh inning because he's thrown six innings. Dave Roberts pulls him at 75 pitches and goes to a reliever who goes like one and two-thirds. So now we're in the eighth inning with two outs. Now the reason I bring it up is Roberts' decision of bringing in that reliever's name – I think Velasquez, his name escapes me. Um, it wasn't going to him that was the mistake, but when you pull your pitcher at 75 pitches after six, now you have to cover three innings, mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot of modern-day managers don't take that into account. So he goes to Blake Trennan with two outs in the eighth in, in a jam, and Trennan gives up three runs, and all of a sudden the Dodgers <laughs> lose that game. So another, you know, we, we consider that boonheaded because you pull your, I mean, cruising. Six innings, 75 pitches, eight strikeouts, no walks is cruising. Yeah. Pulls him, training blows it later. Three hits, eight Ks, he was killing it. Yeah, absolutely dominant. Uh, these guys get trigger happy. Gonzalez, that wasn't his first start off the off an injury list either, I'm told. So uh, that is, it is not like a Tanaka situation with 65 pitches, even though Boone pulled him twice at that pitch count. So those are your Boone headings for the week. We the mixed right, it up. Vince, just real quick, how do we get that one? Which one? That boonheaded submission, how do we get it? Ah, Michelle Carter, Dodgers fan, let me know. So, again, we offer this extension to the rest of you. If your manager or anyone on your team, like you saw Tyler Wade, it's not just managers anymore, mm-hmm. even if it's an umpire, anyone does anything stupid that is indisputably stupid, you let me, Henry, or Rob know in the comments section, just tag us. We are happy to include it in boonheaded if we can fit it in. That's exactly how it's done. So kudos to Michelle. Thank you for doing that. Uh, that's exactly how it's done. 
She was fed up with Dave Roberts' decision. It cost her team the game. She let us know, and now we're here trashing Dave Roberts exactly. as he should have been trashed for the last 16 years. So those are our boon edits. Now let's get to the favorite segment, and that is Dongs. Uh, let's begin it. It is a medley of montages here. This is Marcelo Zuna at Fenway, and that is him hitting at a very, very, very long distance over the monster. That's number one. Same game. This is him hitting at a very, very, very long distance into the back of the monster. That's two. Here's Ozuna. This is him hitting it the furthest of the distances. This one's like 400. I think it was measured like 440. It was really like 480. And then that's a, a Chadwick Boseman uh, Wakanda Forever Black Panther tribute at the end. So Ozuna, the first NL player ever to hit three home runs at Fenway Park in the same game. And that wasn't the last of what the Braves would do to the Red Sox. No, the Braves are absolutely killing it. His teammate said, anything you can do, I can do better. And on the very next day, Adam, no, I'm sorry, the same game. No, the next day. The next yeah. day. Yeah. The next day, Adam Duvall went ahead and said, oh, you're going to hit three? I'm going to hit three. And just decides to just abuse Fenway left field once again. <laughs> and that was a shot. Did that clear? Did that go to Yankee Street? I think, I think so. it did. There's a second one. Almost identical spot. Not as far. That's two on a day. And then here's the third one. I think this is the longest one coming up as well. Just absolutely tattoos that ball's right by the Fanatic sign. Three home run game, back-to-back -back home run games. That's the second time in Major League history teammates have gone three home runs in consecutive days since Ruth and Garrick. So that's some pretty impressive company to keep. And needless to say... He was the second NL player to ever hit three home runs in a game at Fenway Park. So the very next day. Um, so th those are that's two guys, if you're keeping count, who have homered three times in a game this week. Mm -hmm. Let's get to a third one. We mentioned him earlier. This is Alex Dickerson. These are the actual live highlights. Chris, try and hold it together. Here's home run number one. Deep right field, middle deck. That's his first one. Little did the Rockies know what they were in store for in this game, by the way, because this was at 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. 480 feet. All right, it did not look that far, but I guess it was that far. So, cranks one there. There's another look at it. I mean, did it go into the upper deck? I didn't actually see where it landed, so I guess it was yeah, kind of far. that went pretty damn far. Third yeah. deck. Third deck. All right, yeah, so that is really far then. Here's the second one, not quite as far. That's going to that's gonna clear T-Mobile, it looks like, though. Uh, so that's two. Giants still at this point were only up five nothing. Of course, it is also the top of the second inning. So he homers mm -hmm. in the first inning. He homers in the second inning. Now we'll wait for his next one. And this, nope, we're gonna get a replay. You know, it's funny. He went down to get that, and that still went four twenty six. He didn't put anything on that. Uh uh, that was a weird like two seamer too. Mm -hmm. Now it's all of a sudden thirteen to two in the sixth. He's gonna go opposite field and complete the trifecta. So there's three home runs for Alex Dickerson, as promised by the sixth inning. And uh, I think that was that the that was a three run homer. So that makes it sixteen to two Giants. They would end up scoring 24, 24 runs in that game um, to kill the Rockies. Actually kill them. Literally all of them just died by the end of that yeah. game. All right, next one, Henry. Next, we have my man Eugenio Suarez. Another three home run game. Rob's going to hit them highlights soon. There we go. 
There's the first one, uh, line drive down left field. Didn't even look like it got it. I thought it was going foul, honestly. <laughs> and again, this is against the Pirates. Last week, someone had three home runs against the Pirates. <laughs> and then here he goes, oppo, right field. Uh, looks like it just clears the fence. And then he has uh, he said, why not? Give me a third one for the game. That's uh, 25% of a season total home runs just on that one night. So Aaron Suarez doing what we expected him to do in Cincinnati, which is hit and hit isn't he's doing. And even if it's against the Pirates, you've got to count it, guys. Man, I can only assume because I wrote Eugenio's name wrong as Eduardo in the rundown that Rob gave you the good <laughs> highlights of the three home runs. And I got freaking like replays over and over again in mine. You know, it's funny. I'm like, I don't think there's – there's no Eduardo Suarez. In, in the <laughs> I immediately knew it was his name. I yeah. was looking for about maybe like a good 15, 20 minutes for Eduardo Suarez. <laughs> I, realized, yeah, I, got a I wasted your time. You wasted my time with those replays. So there we go. We're even now. Uh, on to the next one. It's good Did to have, have a Puerto Rican co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just got hazed. Uh, on to the next one. So Pete Alonso didn't hit three home runs in a game, but he certainly had some home runs this week. Here's one of them. This is against Baltimore. I don't know why the camera angle goes that far, yeah. but uh, oh, well, uh, yeah, all right. So Dramatic it almost effect. looked well. Yeah, that's a wraparound home run. Those wouldn't have counted in Babe Ruth's day. Here's another one. This is Pete Alonso. This is against the Yankees. This was the walk-off we mentioned earlier. That's gone. Thanks for showing up. Terribly managed game. Mets win. They look like they won the World Series. Here's his third one. This is a tie game. You know, these are not like small home runs. He hits this one off Aaron Nola in a 1-1 game. Shot. Yeah, second inning. Pete's starting to feel a stroke a little bit. He's got 10 now on the year, and this was the fourth one. This was when the Phillies had already tried to forfeit they weren't allowed the Mets said we're just going to continue beating the shit out of you and then that's what happened allegedly yeah, uh Pete, so that's Pete a Pete, Pete Alonzo four home runs this week and uh you know it, what? it's a it's a far cry from this next one you know what's happened I, I I'm messing I've been messing with Joey uh and Jacob playfully saying Luke Boyd's having a better season than, than Pete and I yeah. guess Pete Alonzo's taking it personal now he's trying to play catch up yeah, he Adongzo, as I call him now, back-to-back years on my fantasy uh, team. Quick of, of note, the home run he hit off the Yankees was the day after Tom Seaver just passed. So that was a nice way to end that uh, yeah, game. Yeah, and, yeah. Memory of Tom Seaver, so. That is cool. Uh, Alonzo's batting average, if I'm not mistaken, still in the toilet. But he's getting his power back, and that's, yeah, that's half the battle. Those things are going a ton miles, so. So uh, let's next, get to our next highlight. He doesn't have four runs have this week or any week. Dalton Varshow. Yeah, speaking of water. Go Ooh. for it. The only place you can go, well, one of two places, three places I can think of you can get a water that shot. That is a beautiful first career home run. Those you get a rope. water shot. And somebody got a nice souvenir, which they'll probably trade for something. Uh, won't be tickets this year, but they'll trade for something. But that's a nice first uh, a memory to have for a first career home run. So that's pretty good. I can so Arizona, you can hit it into the pool. Mm-hmm. Giants, you can hit it, you know, out of the stadium. Um, what was the third one? I thought. Oh, PNC. Kansas City, you can hit it into a waterfall. PNC, you can hit it out of the stadium. PNC out of the stadium. That's four. I think um, those might be Boston. the only ones. Did you say Boston? Well, no, I'm talking about water shots. Oh, water shots. Yeah. Yeah. Does PNC have the river behind it? No, like they. In, you can't. You can't hit it out of. Okay, so that's three. 
Yeah. Uh, I think those are the only three stadiums you can hit in the water. That's a good question for a comment section too. If there's any, if there's any other stadiums in the ones we just named that you can hit it into water, let me know. I think in Miami you could hit it into that giant vagina that Derek Jeter got rid of. <laughs> the structure, the, as they yeah, call it. The the giant vagina that I think they took down, which they were, you know, people were so oh, artists did that, but. Yeah. I think it was removed. Yeah, Barry Gita took it down and gave it a gift basket. Oh uh, yeah, James. Good, good point. The Rays—they have the Rays tank out there in the outfield. That doesn't count. We said Why major not? league stadiums. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you there. That stadium is indeed a shithole. Um, yeah. So anyway, we can get to this last one. This is Matt Bushnell. I hope you continue to watch till the end because this was the moment I was talking about. Uh, about 20 minutes late. You can go here. This is. Luis Robert. Robert. Robert one day. <laughs> Lift off. You know, they just have to pronounce their T's. It's that simple. Um, that's him hitting it into a stairwell somewhere. A very long home run. White Sox, as we said, super exciting. And that's Kansas City we alluded to. There's the waterfalls right there in the back in center field. Uh, so that was him hitting a home run. And just, you know, as part of the dong segment, we wanted to give Robert a uh, one more highlight. Where, give him a bonus. Go? Yeah. Give him a bonus because he's yeah, had such a, bonus, a of a season. Come on, Rob. I'm not done with Luis. There we go. You got to say right. his name again, though. <laughs> Luis Robert. This time he's in center field, which I just found out he was good. And now he proves it. That's a diving catch in center. So he takes away a double. It's a home run. Uh, that kid, you know, if you thought he was going to be rookie of the year, you were absolutely Right on spot, right on, right on the spot there, because he might be a perennial MVP when all is said and done. That kid has all of the tools. I'm telling you, this game is in beautiful hands, man. The young stars of this game, are, they're just exciting and fun and just something else to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are our dongs of the week, distinguished dongs, whatever you want to call them. Now let's get to our final segment. That's the memorabilia Henry, what do you got? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna grab mine. It's right here. But Henry, what do you have? I'm gonna go with one that has a little bit of a personal touch and a personal story to it. Um, one of my closest friends, his daughter was uh, diagnosed with neuroblastoma a couple years ago, which is a childhood form of cancer. Um, she has since kicked its ass. Um, she is fully recovered. She, you know, dealing with what comes with that. And and they did have a. Um, a, a gala to kind of raise some funds for some experimental treatment. Uh, the cyber knife up at Winthorpe, I think NYU ended up buying them out. But one of the things and one of the players that contributed something was Curtis Grandison. And he contributed uh, a couple of baseballs and I won this on a bid. Um, so yeah, this is uh Curtis Grandison autograph ball, which I got at uh, Gabby's fundraiser. Gabby, I love you, baby girl. I'm glad you're healthy. And that's my story with this Curtis Grandison ball. What do you got? He's like a 10-time humanitarian, too. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, ambassador of the game. So this is – I don't have as emotional of a story by any means, but there is a cool story behind this. This is, uh, in poor pen, a Michael K. <laughs> autographed baseball. Now, the story behind this is kind of funny. Um, in spring of 96, when I was nine, uh, we got that autograph. And this is I've, – I've told this before – but probably not for a while. I went to my first spring training game, spring of 96. I went to my first major league baseball game that year. And, and the second game I ever went to is Dwight Gooden's no hitter. Anyway, uh, we go to spring training. It's in Fort Lauderdale back then. 
we were on vacation visiting my grandmother. I didn't live in Florida or anything. And we see a old uh, or a high prospect at the time. His name was Tate Seafried. No one ever has heard of him. He never ended up making it. But this guy was like a big shot at the time. The cool and, man, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he refused to sign autographs. I'm one of those kids. I'm one of those nine-year-old kids who's up there at the gate. Like I've got, you know, the baseball through the gate trying to get autographs and whatnot. He blows everyone off, goes straight to his car. His car wouldn't start in very New York fashion. Everyone, all of the parents are heckling him now and like talking <laughs> shit because his car won't start. I'm cracking up. Um, so like, you know, I'm really bummed out. And my dad simultaneously, while I'm at the gate, goes and Michael Kay comes out and signs this ball for him. He also signed his finger, oddly enough, because at first I think my dad didn't have a ball available. So he did it as a joke and then he got a ball and signed it. So we have the Michael Kay autograph. That's while cool. that's happening, uh, this rookie kid who I didn't hear of before came and started signing everyone's ball and it really made my day. Um, come back later and look at it and year it took me later that year it didn't take me long to figure out who it was but that was Derek Jeter so oh wow this, yeah so Michael K signed the ball the same day Derek Jeter signed one for me he signed one for my dad I have the K ball with me as part of my collection I think the Jeter one is with my dad at his house so you won't see the Jeter one for a very long time and, and unfortunately cool. very poor ink <laughs> but um, um I completely you know me I just I do shit left field, uh, and I know you love it. I, I have a quick Michael K. Derek Jeter story. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, when the um, I think I've told Rob this story before. It's, it's so fucking great. When the Michael K. show just started on ESPN Radio here in New York, it was like the first year, so you know Michael K. wasn't as popular. I think he was m recently making that transition from radio to, to the Yes Network. All of that was kind of happening at once. And the first year they did a Christmas party at Blondie's, which is a bar on the Upper West Side. They have one on the bar West Side, one on Blondie's West, Blondie's East. So Michael K's show was giving out tickets to this party. So I said, yeah, it's very rare that I'll fucking call up a radio station. Nobody does that anymore. So I called right. up a radio station and I went to tickets to this, this Christmas party thrown by Michael K. So I thought it was cool as shit. I go to the, to the bar, Michael K sitting at the bar and I'm like, nah, I can't just walk up to Michael K. So I'm, I don't want to be a, like a total dick and just start talking Yankees because, you know, that's what everyone's doing. Yeah, yeah. So I go to the bar and we start talking about New York and traffic. And, and obviously baseball comes up. And Michael K had he's had a few at this point. And this is, I'm somebody who adores Derek Jeter. So we get to Derek Jeter and A-Rod and he goes on to say how great of a guy A-Rod is and how wonderful he is. And then I say, how about Derek Jeter and his face and body language? He was, he just said, Derek Jeter's an asshole. What you see is not what you get. And I was like, no, tell wow. me more. And at that point, I guess he was realizing what he was saying. And he was just like, nah, that's for another day. And he kept drinking. And I was like, fuck, I need to get more out of him. But yeah, that, that always stuck with me, how he said Derek Jeter was an asshole. Wow. Yeah. It, it doesn't shock me. Um, yeah. And granted, you know, you're talking to Kay and Jeter's however many years old. Jeter is 21 at the time when he he's on my super young. Yeah, yeah super so young. we uh that that's interesting though but yeah so <laughs> that k ball always stuck with me and i you know even back then i wanted to be a broadcaster so i actually knew who michael k was before i knew who Derek jeter was as odd as that sounds you, um, you know what sucks about michael k he's a really good announcer his problem is because he's transitioned from radio to tv 
he tends to talk too much. Yes. He talks too much. I can understand if you're not a Yankee fan why you wouldn't love his style. Um, he definitely milks the Yankee arrogance part, yeah. I think. Um, and I think he's personally a great big moment announcer, but I can understand mm-hmm. the normal yeah. play-by-play why people would, would – it wouldn't be great for them. But, uh, although, you know, I'm very content with, with Michael Kay as my – I definitely announcer. don't want to hear John Sterling. No. Yeah, John <laughs> Sterling is a total niche – uh, I don't want to say freak show. I think that's too hard, but harsh. But he's uh, he is an aqua- he's a joke. But John Sterling is fun. Me and Hardy ran into him in the elevator last season. We took a picture. I think it's in the group somewhere. We took a picture with, with John Sterling, and he was really cool. Um, he was cracking jokes with fans and he taking the elevator just like a normal person. Didn't ask for security or anything. By all accounts, a super good guy. Um, I read really, a book. He was really cool. Yeah, I had a blog in like 2007 when blogs first started, and I actually had an author send me her book. It was Diary of a She-Fan, um, which is a book about how she followed, I forget what year it was, but she followed one of the Yankees teams around just trying to get an interview with a player <laughs> the entire season, like went to every away game and everything. Nice. And finally, she met John Sterling in a lobby, and John Sterling hooked her up with her interview, which ended up being with Doug Mankiewicz. Wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so that that was really neat. So, yeah, John Sterling, by all accounts, a good guy. I don't care for his announcing. It is not a reflection agree, of his career no. or him as a person, though. In those few, those few minutes I interacted with him, he, he was very genuine. Yeah. So, anyway, that's our memorabilia. As a reminder, I will be posting both of our uh, – what we shared – in the group tomorrow and then you guys can do the same we want one thing if you can do it with just one piece of memorabilia each week and we will uh and then with a brief story just like we told and uh we'll keep doing that every week eventually you'll see what those things behind me are all about uh <laughs> i haven't decided what week i'm going to show those off but um yeah so anyway that's memorabilia we have memorabilia tuesdays tomorrow uh, games to watch coming up this week as we wrap up Dong City another week. I've got Phillies Marlins kind of under the radar because the Phillies and Marlins are both not out of it yet, and they're kind of battling for those back seeds. Nice little NL East matchup. It's a four-game series too, so who knows what can happen, but it could bury one of those teams. What do you have, Henry? I have Yankees versus Jays series because this starts. Ten of our last twenty games are actually against the Blue Jays. This is the first time we've seen them all year. This is a battle for all intents and purposes, second place in a playoff uh, seeding. So it is pretty important. So I'm going to go with Yankees and Jays. What's the score to that game right now? It is three to two with Red Thunder on, uh, batting with runners on first and second. Okay. So it'll stay three, two. Uh, Rob, what do you have? I have the uh, A's and the Astros this week. Um, let's see how the A's do without Matt Chapman. He's, he's, he's banged up right now, but he's supposed to be coming back on Wednesday. So, yeah, start uh, baseman in baseball. Nope. <laughs> it's, uh, Rob, Rob loves picking those West Coast teams, by the way. I'm noticing that. Gotta show the, I got to show West Coast some love, you know, because we all, you know, we always talk about the East Coast. Because so. someone has to on the show. Somebody got to do it. For them, yeah. You don't have to do a lot to get Vince to talk about the Yankees. <laughs> uh, come on. Come on. Rob doing God's work just like the Angels did against the Astros. That's right. Uh, so that'll do it for us on Dong City. Don't forget to tune in to the Audible tomorrow, 7 p.m., Tuesday, 7 p.m., every Tuesday. It's a really exciting time to do it as football season starts this week. I am thrilled to see if the Giants can win in their first five weeks. That is what I'm looking forward to is can they start one and four? 
Uh, football starts officially Thursday. Week one is next weekend. So those guys are going to bring you into the football season. If you're not in football life yet, join it. And then watch the Audible. Uh, Randy Hammond, Matt Bushnell, 7 p.m. on Tuesdays, Eastern time. And then our second uh, blog, Fantasy Baseball, or blog, our second podcast, Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's called Total Bases. That's on Sunday mornings with Felipe Malicio and Sean Flannery. Um, tune into that as well. Good way to wake up on Sunday. You've got nothing else to do until football, so you might as well talk about fantasy baseball beforehand. And then, of course, the biggest thing, Dong City returns, not Labor Day, but we will be returning next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, same time slot as usual. We'll see where everyone's at by then. Real, real but, quick, Vince. Clint yep. um, Fraser told you to suck his dick to run RBI. There we go, Clint. I just, to, I just have to hate on these guys so they start doing stuff. We'll see which reliever blows it before the end of the game, uh, but I will have that in written form. So I'm not going to stay on the show to watch it. So that is, uh, this has been Dong City, episode number 31. We'll see you next week. Dong City, bitches.